This episode was co-produced by Startup Days, a yearly matchmaking event in Switzerland for startups, investors, corporates, and other key players. Check out startupdays.ch to learn more about this year's edition, taking place in Bern on May 25th. Again, that's startupdays.ch. For a lot of people, it's not natural to sell and also sell the product, especially if it's not there where it should be yet. I think most people don't want to do it, but I would just start, go out and talk. Worst thing that can happen is a, is a no. Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Sylvan. Christoph, a very well welcome to the Swisspreneur Show. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. You are the co-founder and CEO at Smartbreed, a decentralized upcycling technology to fully exploit the potential of insects. Of course, that's a very interesting story, but what we want to talk about today is the founder's knowledge, you know, the topics that every founder here in Switzerland has on their mind day in, day out. Before we do that, a quick introduction about yourself. You've actually left a career in consulting to go breed some bugs. That's quite a career shift. What happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's true. So um, in consulting, what we did, we, we helped technology and industrial companies to, to go to the market, to bring their innovation to the market and, and exploit um, the value of the, of the products. Mm -hmm. Um, and what, what happened was that together with, with my brother, we realized that the insects um, have great potential in upcycling waste streams. And we looked into that deeper and deeper. Um, and, and suddenly we started, a, we started a, a small company out of it. And where does that entrepreneurial drive come from? Did you have any role models in your family that inspired you to start your own company or anyone else that sort of shaped that career path for you? I think it was, it was curiosity. So we yeah. had a lot of, of ideas before. Um, however, we just stopped at a certain point. Um, and, and with this topic, we just went further and further and further until yeah. it became too big to have uh, next to it also a, a job in consulting. And that's when um, we decided to quit jobs. And of course, now we're really curious, how do bugs play a role in a transition to a green circular economy? So um, we do have a lot of, of food waste. Uh, food waste is, is a big problem um, in, in our society. And what we currently do is we put it all into biogas. And especially if it's, it's protein rich, biogas is in some extent sometimes not the best option. Mm -hmm. So it's inefficient. And insects have the great ability to upcycle protein. So it, it, this idea is not new. Um, it, it comes from nature. So if in nature an animal dies, it's insects um, who get the protein out of it. And um, insects are afterwards, again, the food for, for other insects or other animals. Mm -hmm. um, so our idea really is to, to upcycle food waste via insects. Uh, we think this is an, an alternative to, to buy gas plants. That's an amazing perspective. I never saw that in the world out there. You just, this is amazing. Really, really cool. So, so we're not the, the first company who does that, but what we do is when we looked at it, um, 
yeah, already a few years ago, we saw that there's a lot of companies coming and, and producing insects. Mm -hmm. uh, but we saw is that most of them really dig in and, and try to produce the insects, um, highly efficient. And what we saw is that we saw an opportunity in really helping them to breed the insects. So what we do is we build plants um, to help them breed. So we do not breed ourselves, but we build the, the equipment around it, the facility around it, um, to enable them to breed on an efficient level. Amazing. I'm sure we could do just one podcast episode to talk about that journey. But today we want to talk about the operational tasks, the challenges, the problems that we all face of running a company. One of the first problems or challenges that founders often face is how do I find and choose the right co-founder? At Smartbreed, there are two co-founders. So with your experience, which aspects are important when picking a co-founder and which aspects are not that important? Um, for us, it was very natural because um, I found it together with Patrick, my brother. So it, it lies in the family, uh, which was uh, an asset and, and the very benefit. Um, um, yeah, which which was great at that time. I think um, a co-founder is one of the most important things um, and also one of the main reasons why, why a startup fails. Mm -hmm. um, in our case, we do have the, the big difficulty that we do have different topics in our process. So we do have a lot of engineering. We do have a lot of software skills. Plus, we also have, um, it's, it's an animal. So we do have also right. a lot of, of agricultural topics in that involved. Um, the two of us, we come from different, uh, very different um, areas. So mm -hmm. I come from consulting. He comes from a law background. So nothing to do with insects. Um, so what I believe is 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 important is the like to be curious to to learn more and really see opportunities and dig into it. And the other thing is to have a a a, a sales perspective um, in terms of really go out uh, and try to talk to people and try to to really get to know skills skill sets and also inspire other people to help. Yeah, I think that's the perfect job description for a founder, right? You have to be curious to be able to learn things that come your way fast. You might not be the best at them, but you have to get the job done mm -hmm. and you have to be able to sell and motivate people. Absolutely, absolutely. Did you also, I know you, you, know, you come from the same family, but did you also purposefully talk about values, for example, where you say, hey, these are our core values that are important to us? Or was that already there implicitly because you grew up together? Um, yeah, I think it was already there, mm -hmm. but of course we also have job description in place and like new, we have new tasks which we align with each other. And I think it's important to talk about this as well. Um, it, it changes from time to time. I mean, um, the company changes direction sometimes, and then sure. it's also skills, uh, skill sets which um, which change um, because of of interests, mm -hmm. um, but also because just of strategic reasons. And how do you split the areas between the two of you? Do you sometimes work in the same areas where you have overlapping responsibilities? Or did you go for a very clear split where you said, you do this, I do that. And if you need help, we shout. Um, we have both. Mm -hmm. we, we really have both. So I think in, in the important areas, we have overlaps. Mm -hmm. um, but there, there are topics which just one of us does um, out of time reasons. Of course. Yeah. And... I know you didn't do that. You didn't start as a solo founder, but thinking about that, do you think that you could have also pulled off a company, a startup on your own without having a co-founder? 
I think it, it, it's very difficult because you do have downturns and lack of motivation. And if you're alone, yeah. it, it's very hard to get up. So if, yeah. if, two of, if it's two of you, you push twice as hard. And if one is down, the other pushes more and yeah. uh, you catch up again. So as a solo founder, I, I personally believe it would have been very, very hard. No, I, I fully agree with that statement. I think startup or entrepreneurship on its own is already super hard, super difficult. But if you then do that alone, it's like exponentially even more difficult. Absolutely. Yeah, so I yeah. fully agree. And your brothers, of course, you know, you might still have disagreements despite being brothers and coming from the same family. How do you prepare and also handle disagreement in case of your co-founder relationship? Um, I think because we do have such a, a long history together, it's it's much more easy to go very direct and confront um, each other with arguments. So mm -hmm. it's it, it's sometimes it's it's rough. Um, we do have our opinions, um, but I mean at the end um, we go along with each other again. And I think it, it's important to to make fast decisions. So it's important to really bring up all the arguments um, and. Uh, in our case, this works perfectly. Yeah. And I know you found your co-founder in your family, so very close to you. But if someone is not that lucky to have a good brother or sister to start a company together, where would you recommend them to look and recruit for co-founders? I think it, it's, first of all, the most important thing is to really have the motivation. Um, so would search for, for people which share interests, um, could be universities, mm -hmm. could be impact hubs, um, yeah. or in, from the industry. And um, then also look at that the person is not very, very similar, um, not only in terms of education, but also in terms of, of thinking and so on. Uh, I believe that it's important to have co-founders who come from a, who see things in a different perspective. Mm -hmm. um, and... Yeah, I, I think most success is if you talk to more and more people. Um, so right. really, um, I, I would encourage um, to really be open and shout out. Um, also share ideas um, and see um, who might be uh, willing um, to, to tackle it. And I fully agree with what you said. I think I would also add one thing um, to look for people who ideally you have some work history. That could even be group projects at the university, but maybe also from a previous job. In your case, you know, consulting, for example, where you know I can work well with that person. I think that adds a lot of more stability to a potential co-founder relationship. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I think stability is 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 very important. Also, know like to know how to work together in in hard situations because hard situations will come. Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So now we talked about the co-founder relationship, but very early on, you often, of course, maybe even earlier than finding co-founders, you talk about the idea. So you have a very solid research-based idea behind your company, Smartbreed. Do you think that this plays heavily to its success, that this is a very important success factor, or can ideas also come from other areas outside of research? Um. I think what is important is that there's a problem behind it. Um, in, in our case, research-based is, of course, is, is of course, I think a, a good start uh, because it makes it a bit harder for competition to yeah. to also come up. However, it, it also adds complexity to yeah. it. 
And often you also hear, you know, execution is so much more important than the right idea. Would you agree with that statement? Uh, I definitely agree with that statement. So there's also a lot of, of ideas also now um, in, in our company. But the thing is, if it's an idea on a paper, um, it, it does not add any value. So it only adds value if it's executed and we, we have results. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I definitely believe that... Um, and a good idea is, is important, but having the right team who can execute this is much more important. Yeah, yeah both together then suddenly sort of lead that exponential growth of a company, I yeah, guess. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. Both. <laughs> but of course, we, we all know execution is hard. It's difficult. It's a lot of work. So looking back to your journey, what execution mistakes have you and your peers made along the way that you would avoid nowadays? One of the, 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 the challenges we had is is we, we started a lot with research. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing with research is it's, it, it gra- it's, it's great, it makes fun, and, and you, you, you do have success. The thing is, what you get out of it and, and transform it into a product takes much, much more time. It's much more complex um, than we thought originally. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, um, taking it to insects... Um, we know a lot about them. Um, sure. However, there's like there's swarm uh, behavior which we'd never thought about, wow. and um, there's also seasonality which takes place. So it's it's um, if you go with with uh, with a lot of research, um, you add an extra layer of of complexity which you should um, take into account. Mm-hmm. Um, so in in terms of execution, I think it's it's important to really start um, and bring a, a product to the market very early on, get customer feedback very early on, and then build on that and, and include um, include research afterwards. I think that's this importance that you said before, focusing on the problem, because we often hear in the podcast that people say, well, we have a great technology looking for a problem to solve. And that's probably the wrong way. You want to start with the problem if possible, and then find existing solutions or new combinations to solve exactly that problem that is already out there, right? Absolutely, absolutely. That was also one uh, a big mistake I've seen in consulting. So I don't, I don't think this is only a problem of startups, mm-hmm. but also of, of bigger corporations, so that you have um, smart people in in in, in great jobs um, and they perform and, and increase the, their products and then um, at the end uh, they come up and say okay this the product is not better it's it performs better who wants to buy it and mm-hmm. then they look at the market and um, I think it, it's very important to f- very early on include the market and that's also why um, with our products when we have a new in a new system mm-hmm. we first the, the first trial is always a customer side so the customers handle it and then we see like it adds much more complexity also for us but we know at the end um that the customer is able um to use it and and um, can handle it yeah so that's one important learning for the execution part involve customers as early as possible Another thing that our podcast guests often say Mm -hmm. is that at one point, every founder needs to have a sales role. Based on your experience, would you also agree with that statement? Um, I fully fully agree with that. I mean, um, there's a lot of of, of tasks and and things to do and you can't do all together. So you need to also give away jobs or, or tasks and you can only do that by selling um, and, and, and selling the excitement is, is one of the 
I think the crucial parts of, of being a co-founder. Um, and as a co-founder, I think also a network is one of the most important parts and things. Um, so being a salesperson makes it much more easier to go out to talk um, and and just to share excitement um, with the others about about the product, about the idea, um, and, and uh, yeah, include them into the mission, into the vision and mission. And very often as a co-founder or CEO, you also have a huge advantage, right? Because when you do sales, people feel like, oh, I'm talking to the boss or I'm talking to the founder. And I don't know why, but you, your voice sort of has a higher weight. So I think, I'm not sure if this is like statistically proven or anything, <laughs> but I think you have a higher chance of closing a deal than also combining that with your enthusiasm and your fire for the company to make it successful. I think that's a huge asset that you should leverage as a company. I um, fully agree. I think it also opens much more doors um, if, if you're a co-founder. Um, people are much more willing to to let you in and then just start talking about it. Um, yeah, yeah, agree. But still many founders struggle. They say, I don't like sales. I'm not good at sales. Your practical experience, how does one get better at sales? I think it's 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 this is this is very difficult. I mean, uh, for a lot of people, it's not it's not natural to to sell um, and also sell the product, especially if it's not there where it should be yet. Um, um, and I think it, it's it's most of most people need to really just just try to do it. I mean, at the beginning, it's it's tough and it's hard, and um, I think most people don't want to do it. But I would just start. Um, go out and talk. The worst, worst thing that can happen is a, is a no, mm-hmm. um, um, and then I would just try even harder. Yeah, um, uh, yeah it's it's. It, I think it, it's all about discipline, fully. And just to push yourself a bit out of that comfort yeah, zone, yeah. you know, you then learn. You talk to customers, and if you're curious, you then learn to understand why did they say no. What did I sort of not get about the problem at hand to solve? And that way you can iterate and get better. But you have to do that. You have to put in the work to to get better at sales. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, another thing is, of course, also fundraising. So you can sell more of your product to have more money in the in the company. But sometimes, depending on the startup that you're doing, you also want to get investors on board. And to raise funds as a startup, you can have different sources. You can go for grants, you can go for equity, you can go for a convertible loan. What is, from your experience, the best way to raise funds for your startup, maybe also depending on the stage? Um, yeah, I think at the first stage, it's very important to have your own money in it. Um, um, also, just for, for yourself, I mean, it's, it's, more, mo- <laughs> it's more motivating. Skin um, in the game. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, I believe that as a co-founder, you really need to believe in the company. Yep. And um, that helps to show it. Um, then I, I'd say the first steps is, is grants. I think mm-hmm. we do have a... Um, uh, in, in Switzerland, we have, we have the great opportunity to, to, to have grants, especially in the beginning. Um, so you can start with, with small grants and, and start with understanding the market, understanding the target customer and, and building up um, first sales. And as soon as that is done, I will go for smart money. Mm-hmm. Um, so having business um, angels um, who also support you um, in, the, in the business um, and, and help you 
increase the company. And then even at the later stage, maybe for a professional VC or whatsoever. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And that on, 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 at the later stage, yeah. I think what you described is just the perfect way to actually go about financing in Switzerland. I think that's a perfect overview. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> I have one follow-up question on sure. that. You said you also put your own money in the company. You know, probably when you start, you do a limited company and then you have to put in the 20,000 to start it. How much money should you personally invest in your company? Should you go all in and say, hey, I believe that this will be the the company that I want to build and, and really bring to the moon, so to speak? <laughs> or is that too stressful? Because it can also lead to very unhappy situations, I imagine. Um, no, I, I would never go with, with all in. Um, I think we're in Switzerland, we have to... We have to it, yeah, it, we, it, it's great to really not that need. You don't need to go all in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you need to go. It it really depends personally, uh, yeah. but I would um, go in that it hurts if it fails, mm-hmm. but not that it hurts too much. Yeah, because you also invest your time, right, and absolutely. energy. So absolutely. that's also an investment, so to speak, that you make besides the money. Absolutely, and I think t- the time investment of of a founder is sometimes neglected. So I think. Um, Sometimes you just tend tend to just not um, include your time um, yeah. that much, and that's why I think it's important to also have your money involved in it. So um, you 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 really you really want to go further and 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 really want to push it. Exactly. And with scaling a business, usually also comes hiring, right? You want to grow the team. You want to hire some specialists to grow into more specific areas. When do you actually realize that it's the right time to bring on new team members and make the first hires? I think it, it really comes naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, so in our case, we start quite early. Um, to, when we when we talked about it um, at universities, we had the first people who got interested. Um, and then when we realized that we have capacity to hire someone, we, we started. Um, I think now it's it's a difficult time. It's, it's very hard to find people, yeah. um, but um, I believe it it really comes naturally. So you, I think as a as a company, really find you, you, you it comes nat- it, it's, it's a natural process when you realize okay now it's time to to have a new hire. Yeah, I, I like that a lot because you, you really feel that as a founder. You know, you see, I just don't have enough time to do this, or there's really a lot of pressure in the company to get that done or to get someone in to fulfill that role. And I liked it a lot. You you feel when it's the time. And if you don't feel it, it's probably too early. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I yeah. love that. And when it comes to hiring, right, you then have this difficult decision. You probably get hundreds of messages on LinkedIn from recruiters to help you find tech talent whatsoever. At the same time, you as a founder, you're also very important to do the, the recruiting but what is your take on this? Should you outsource to hiring to get the best talent? Should you do it yourselves? How how do you see that? Um, f- for us, because we do have a strong l- relation to to universities, we do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, um, to be honest, we haven't tried out um, external hires. Um, um, but I think if you can't attract talents or, or don't have the the channels. Um, at universities, I think you, you need to go to the second option. Right. And universities seem to work well for you as a recruiting channel. How do you build a strong position there? Is it through personal network or do you do any events or special presence there to be, you know, 
seen. Um, it's it, it's a bit difficult. Um, I think um, especially during COVID, it, it was important just to be to be present online. Um, yeah. So really go on the channels um, where you do have the, the people um, who are interested in entrepreneurship, who do have new ideas. Um, and then be present there, mm-hmm. um, share information. Um, we also sometimes do updates um, of, of our of our company. Nice. Um, just makes them see the progress, and, and um, sometimes they then they start from themselves and, and ask, "Okay, this sounds very good. Cool. Can I help?" Um, and I think that's where we get where we get a lot of traction. And mm-hmm. the other thing is, yeah, having the network. Um, and know a few people and tell them, look, um, you also have uh, some people, talk to them, maybe someone is interested. Yeah. And how do you then convince someone to join a startup? Because very often you cannot compete with the salaries that they pay, you know, in big consulting firms or elsewhere. How do you convince the people to join your journey and your company? Um, we also struggle with that. I mean, in our case, um, it's it's a bit difficult because you can either go to a to a drone um, or a virtual reality company or um, yeah. to a <laughs> equipment uh, building company for insects. Um, I think we, this is a this is a very hard one. And what we do is we we share our vision. Um, we invite them to our company. We we show them what we've done so far. We show them where we want to go to, and. I believe people find it very inspiring um also really see the bigger picture and see where we come from and, and where we go to. Um so I would I would really go with that to really involve them also in in, in, in the full picture. Mm-hmm. I like that because it sort of shows the importance of being aligned with the company vision and also your personal vision. So if, if you can bring those two together, it's really, really powerful mm-hmm. that you can motivate people. Yeah, yeah. And, and and with that we bring in uh, like sustainability um, purpose, food security purpose, and yeah. this is where a lot of people can identify with and, and want to help. Mm-hmm. And and then this is where we where we align, and then we show them um, how we how we're gonna do it. Amazing. And you know, there's this old debate of what should you hire for skills or culture fit. How do you see that? I'm not sure if I can give the right answer. Personally, I think it's. Skills is, is, is important. I mean, you learn a lot of new skills, um, especially in a startup. Uh, I personally believe that there's, you, you never find someone with, with the exact right toolkit of skills um, to fulfill the job. Mm-hmm. Um, however, um, you need to work with the person uh, a lot together yeah. and, and also the team. Um, is is it, it's very important to have motivated people in the team, especially if you're a very small team, work together on on a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. So, um, personally, I think cultural fit is 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 a very very important criteria. Yeah, and I know this is a very difficult question, but when you're in the recruiting process, you just don't know. You have a gut feeling, maybe you have an assumption, but how do you test for skills, but also for culture fit? in the recruiting process because you don't work together yet but you have to make a judgment right how do you test that and try to minimize the risk of making the wrong call um this is this is is a very good question um i i personally struggle with that because it's just it's it's one hour or one hour talk and and and, and get together but uh, what we do is um we have all the teammates um and and, and talk to them 
Um, yeah. So it's really, it's, it's, it's sometimes it's just very small, um, short uh, introduction. And then I also get the feeling of mm-hmm. the others. And they are, um, in, in most cases, a bit better uh, in some terms in, in judging and understanding is that a, is that a good fit for the team mm-hmm. or uh, might there be some interference which uh, I could not see or feel. Yeah. Um, so it's for us, it's really a group decision mm-hmm. um, to see if that person fits uh, well in the team or not. I like that a lot. I think that's a very smart way of doing it because your existing team is the culture and they then vet for the new person whether they would fit in or not. Amazing. <laughs> And we all know it, you know, one day you might see, hey, I made a hire, but it's not working out. I'm not sure what should I do? You know, how do you go about these very difficult situations where you're wondering, did I make the wrong hire? Should I fire that person? How do you handle this very difficult situation? I think this is this is very hard, especially if, I mean, in a startup, you have a lot of a lot of work to do. And if you if you fire someone, it's it's even harder for the rest of the team. Um, but looking back, I think best decision is really to to go for a, for the cut um, yeah. because um, otherwise everyone suffers in the team and um, nobody is really happy. And it's also I think for the person um, who you who you believe is the wrong fit, it, it's unfair because um, you you keep that person in the company and mm-hmm. the person does not feel good about it. Um, motivation decreases the motivation of of the team decreases um so it, it's not good for everyone so I, I think it's it's a hard one but um i think a clear cut is the best decision there i think you're very much on point here as soon as you have this gut mm-hmm. feeling this suspicion that hey, this will not work out it's better to go separate ways it's nothing personal but Absolutely, you yeah. know it's just the best for both sides in the end yeah yeah it, it's it's i think uh, it's sometimes it's easy to to talk about these questions from the outside if you yeah. experience it, especially if there's a lot of pressure and you need a lot of work to do. It's it's a very yeah. tough one. Um, That's brutal. Um, but yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think you just need to go through it. Yeah. You know, I think after talking about these important topics of running a startup, we also know that startups take time. It's a lot of effort, a lot of energy that you put in. And one very important topic that luckily gets a bit more more attention nowadays is the whole mental health part. So how do you build a successful company as a founder while staying healthy mentally and physically? Um, I think it, it's 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 a long run. Um, so I think as a as a founder, you I think you you learn it naturally that it's some this eighty twenty approach, so you don't need mm-hmm. to do everything perfectly. I mean, um, otherwise you would, yeah, you would not sleep anymore. Yeah. Um, so I think it's it's a decision you take to say um, I do everything um, to a certain extent where I'm I'm happy with myself and and with the team. I think that that's very important. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, well, the other thing is like really love what you do. Um, I mean, if if you love what you do, it's it's okay to also work extra hours to sometimes work on the weekends. Um, and I think this is these are the two most important um, aspects. Yeah, I, I very much on point here as well. Like, if you love what you do, it's so much easier to have much higher workloads and much more stress because it's not throwing you off the track and you're not 
fighting a resistance where you think, mm. oh, why do I have to do this? No, I want to do this because it's fun, because I like it. Huge difference. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And also gives you, I think, some mental calmness that you're mentally healthy. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Do you pay any special attention to, I could think about diet, exercise or sleep, for example. Is there anything that is especially important to you that you pay extra attention to, to not forget about it? Um, I think it's a personal network, um, the time with friends. I think especially uh, when I started, uh, the first year was, was extremely hard. And this is something I, I neglected a bit because it's easiest to skip these appointments. Yeah. Um, um, now I, I make sure that there is, they are in my calendar and that, that they are blocked. Yeah. Um, also, I think exercise like sport. Um, I think everyone needs to have... In some way, some extent, something else, uh, which just bring, gives him energy. Um, um, and uh, in my case, this is a bit exercise and also hobbies. And I think it's very important to, to still have them and keep them. 100%. Now, you know, if you reach a conclusion, you know, whether you're successful or not, founding a startup is certainly a hell of a ride. From your <laughs> perspective so far, what makes it worthwhile? Why should we have and start a company? um i think it's it's um it's first of all it's it's really exciting so it's a lot of different topics coming together Mm -hmm. um and um so it's 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 really from from a to z everything um every day is is different um it's it's a lot of responsibility but also um a lot of of self-motivation and a lot of self learning um so it's 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 it, it's very exciting um but of, of course i don't think it's it's for for everyone if you look back you said the first year was really hard when you started out if you look back and you now know what you know now you know it was super hard very, a lot of effort energy etc would you still have started the company if you knew that it was that hard um, yeah, I would I would have still started, probably do some things different, but I think that that's natural. Sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would still have started um, because I still I still really like uh, what we do, and it gets from day to day more interesting. Amazing. You, so you're really in that sweet spot of enjoying what you do. Yeah. Luckily, yeah. Wonderful. We have some rapid fire questions for you. I give you quick options to choose from, and you have to answer in one sentence. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah. Bootstrapping or VC money? Um, bootstrapping, especially at the beginning. Yeah. Lake uh, or mountains? Uh, lakes, uh, I really enjoy the, the sea and the water. Amazing. When things get hard, what do you tell yourself? Um, times get easy again soon. <laughs> exactly. Coffee or tea? Uh, coffee. Uh, I really like coffee. Perfect. Tell us one thing about the Smart Breed team that makes you happy or also proud. Um, I think the excitement, the excitement for, for, for the bigger picture and to, to change uh, something. Yeah. And the last one, are you more of a morning person or a night owl? Uh, more of a night owl. Perfect. <laughs> Christoph, thank you so much for joining us on the show. We wish you all the best and lots of success. And it's been a pleasure talking to you today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. 
If you did, you can support us by rating our show on Apple Podcasts. This way, we can reach an ever-growing number of aspiring entrepreneurs.